I'm your host, Maria Maldonado-Smith, and this is Creating the Vision, a podcast about living the life you envisioned and leaning into your passions, power, and purpose. Each week, we'll hear from guests discussing their journey to living and creating the vision for their life. We'll talk all things vision imagery, goal setting, and accountability so that you feel empowered and inspired to take action, turning your plan into the life you've always dreamed of living. Welcome, visionary. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Creating the Vision. I have a fantastic and awesome guest today. I am so excited to have him introduce himself. But first, I just want to say how we met because we met through a thought leader group. Then we were broken up into groups of four. Three survived, three made it. <laughs> Me, Graham, and Beth. And so we transitioned over to Voxer and we would keep each other motivated and inspired throughout the TEDx process. You guys are making me look bad because two of you have done your TEDx's and I am still in that process, but it is on my, my list for 2024. It is my do the dang goal for 2024. But Graham Cochran, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. You are a seven figure entrepreneur, a TEDx and a keynote speaker, bestselling author and host of the Graham Cochran show, a top five ranked podcast globally. That is freaking fantastic. You are the epitome of hashtag goals for me when it comes to podcasting. So I am really pumped. You have over 14 years of online coaching and content experience, 700,000 YouTube subscribers across your channel. And he has built multiple seven figure businesses that require less than five hours of work per week to run. Graham, you are the leading voice and coach in the life giving business movement. And I know that's what your TEDx talk was about. We're going to touch on that today, but more so just thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And I want to punt it over to you to tell us a little bit more about who you are and what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. I know you got to connect with Beth already and y'all got to meet and do your show in person, which is super yes. cool. Yes. Even though we both live in Florida, so it's kind of- I know, I know. <laughs> you had to do it over over Riverside. but And you are going to do a TEDx talk in 2024. It's not like I you've am. been sitting around all year 2023. You've just been <laughs> doing your life and doing incredible things. So you're a very accomplished and busy woman in the best sense of the word. So I have no doubt in my mind, if I did it, you're going to do it. So I'm excited for you and I can't wait to support your talk. And it's been great to be in a little cohort with you. I will say sort of a little point here is everyone needs a group and I'm a part of lots of different groups, but a group doesn't have to also be a big mastermind or a big community, or it, it can be three people on a Voxer channel or a text thread. At, and you know we're a good example of we kept up with each other weekly at first when we were a part of Thought Leader and that was what we were supposed to do. And then it kind of dropped down to every couple of weeks, then every month. And then it's just sort of checking in and there's just power in that accountability and celebrating each other's successes. So I, I would encourage everyone to grab a friend or two and start something to keep you guys accountable for your goals, which is awesome. I, I, I like to tell people like a big thing for me is I, I've struggled to know who am I? That's one of the questions I've always wanted to answer. And I remember Maria being in, I had this little office I was a part of for this little 
company I was working for is 2009. I was at, working at a credit card debt settlement company, not my dream job. It was just what paid the bills to get us to Florida. And I remember getting the phone call from my boss who I, I knew personally because I was like employee number two that was hired. He was remote, but getting the phone call and saying, Hey, we're running out of money. They were a startup. We're out of money. We're going to have to let you go. We're going to have to shut the whole thing down. And, and I remember feeling like, both a sense of relief, like I hated this job anyway, like, but also thinking to myself, like, what am I going to do? I, I just moved a thousand miles away. We moved to Tampa. Uh, I just bought my first house. I just had my first baby. I'm 26 years old. And now I have no job and a wife and a baby and a mortgage. And I don't know anybody in this town. And I'm, I'm four years out of college and I'm going backwards. I've lost two jobs in one year. This was a global recession, but it's, it doesn't feel good whenever you're losing a job. And I think back to like what my dream was as a kid was to be a rock star. And I had worked really hard at trying to write the songs, make the record, work with a producer, shop an album to labels. And that dream had died. And I meandered for a couple of years. I thought I'd be a pastor. I, and then I end, end up in this space selling, selling credit card debt settlement services and then losing that job. And, and I, I, like many people, the plans that I had didn't end up going the way I thought. And I kept asking myself, who the heck am I? And what, what am I meant to do with my life? And that question haunted me. Sometimes it still haunts me, but that's where I found myself at 26. We were on food stamps for 18 months as I tried to find a way to make a living online, which is where I kind of began to play with a business. And I started with the only skill I had, which was audio engineering at the time. I had recorded music for bands and had done music for myself. And I was like, well, I know how to record music for other people and myself. I'll just start with that skill, which I always think, always think is a great way to start. Start with what you know to do to get something happening. And it became a process of turning what little skill I had into money, turning that into a YouTube channel and a blog and realizing I'm really good at teaching. I never thought I'd be a teacher, but I ended up creating content. And people were like, wow, the way you explain this complex art form of recording is really easy for me to understand. And I realized I'm good at explaining complex topics that I know a lot about in simple terms. Transitioned that into a business that just took off and then Years later, I started a second business, taking the complexity of business and, and teaching people how to make money online very simply. And I've been doing that for seven to eight years. And so it's just been this wild ride of figuring out who the heck am I? And I'm a lot of different things. <laughs> I'm a lot of different things, but you, that, that's sort of the journey of life. And we can get into it a little bit of like, it, it was a moment of desperation and like, man, I feel like I'm moving backwards. This is not what I wanted. But I was able to tap into the fact that there's so many elements to my personality and interests I have and skills I have that can work together to make some sense in my life and actually to become fulfilled in my life. And I like to say that I think what I've discovered is that the secret to fulfillment, to satisfaction, to success, to service to others is to do it your way, to do things your way. And that involves having to figure out who am I and what is my way? It's so easy to copy everybody else, but what, is, what does Graham believe about himself and the way he wants to show up in the world? And can I do a life and a career and a family that way? Mm -hmm. There's so much that you share that resonates with me. And I know we've talked about this because I think, and, and I always I always look at this this way too. And I think it's interesting that you, me and Beth ended up in a cohort together in a little, little group because we we are all similarly spiritually aligned and have a strong faith and a strong faith base. And 
that happened for a reason. I'm very grounded in that, that, wow, you two were put in my life for a specific reason. And not only do we help each other, inspire each other and all of that, but I think there's some things too, that when we first started connecting and you were talking a lot about your journey and, and gosh, listening to your TEDx talk and guys, you have to go check out Graham's TEDx talk. We will link it in the show notes, all of that, but still it is, it's a fascinating story. You talk about this, you talk about this. And one thing we talked about, you know, before in our process of, of preparing for this interview was how getting to know yourself and how, I mean, I found myself a mom of two, uprooted my family for a job promotion. And I just kept putting one foot in front of the other and thinking, okay, this has got to be the right direction, right? Because there's forward movement. We're progressing. I got promoted. We, I moved us to Atlanta. So this is great. But when I had this moment where I realized everything about my life was wrapped up in my self-worth, my value mm. to to my, even my family, my value to how I outwardly perceived my contribution to the world was not me being me and me being unique. It was what I could do for the company that I worked for. Mm. And, and, and I take full responsibility for that. Yeah. Sure. I, I, it, I, I allowed myself to get wrapped up in that. I allowed myself to become that person. And so when I started developing out my own process and program of how am I going to get to know me? You know, I feel like I knew myself before I took this role. And now I feel like I've gotten so far away from that. And I don't even know who the person is that I'm staring back in the mirror at. And, and so you bring up such a fantastic point that I wish it's like, sometimes you wish you could go back and shake yourself and you're, yep. you know, you could look, you know, could look back into time and just be like, you know, know who you are and stay grounded and rooted in that. You know, who, what are my core values? What are the things that I stand for? So that when I show up in any aspect of my life, it's not that I'm showing up for that person. I'm showing up who I am yeah. and, and they can either accept that version of me or not, but yeah. Here I am and I'm showing up in that way. And as you were making some of those tr life transitions, talk a little bit about kind of some of the things that you discovered along the way. Cause I know as you were kind of creating this vision, things did kind of take off for you in that way. So as much as you shaped, or, or I guess, I guess that the things were happening to you, I mean, the food stamps, all of that. And let's also, I don't want to be remiss in that. There's so much beauty in asking for help in that way yep. and not being not, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's a, a myriad of emotions, but at the same time, it's like, you need the help. You have a family to support and we will do anything for our families to, to make sure that we can provide for them and their happiness, et cetera. But as you're kind of coming out of that, talk a little bit about how, what creating that vision then became, how did it change and shift for you to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. And I, I will say like briefly, the food stamps thing was a really hard thing for me. Like my wife was the one that brought that to my attention. She had a friend whose husband had lost his job. He was in construction. So you can imagine 2008, 2009, that all industry collapses. And she was like, Shay, we're making like 500 bucks a month on food stamps from the government. And like, that was a big deal back then. And so my wife brought it to me and I, I actually refused to apply for food stamps because I was just like, that's, I'm, I'm, I have a college degree. I've worked since I've been 14. Like, that's just not the kind of people we are, which is a very offensive thing to say, but I'm being very transparent. That's how I felt in that moment. Yeah. And then my wife, she came back two weeks later, kind of thing. Like, I really think we should do this. And it was like, I had to admit I needed the help. 
and there was nothing wrong with needing the help. And so that was a, that was a very helpful period of my life because no one is self-made. <laughs> Everybody needs help. And I got help from not just the government, my, my younger brother, my brother in brothers-in-law, my sister-in-law, they sent us money. They would just send us checks. They would send us gift cards. I mean, that's a humiliating, but at the same time, uplifting experience. Like, wow, when you ask for help, people want to help you. Maybe not everybody, but there's people that want to help you and, and having the humility to say you need help. That was instructive for me. I'm kind of a lone wolf. So I, I think I needed that. I think that was part of God's story for my life. I, I will say the, the, the reason every, anything I've ever done has had success is God's just put his hand on it. I mean, there's no other explanation. I, I sure I work hard and I use my intellect, but the story God has written has just been one of, do I trust? And this is something I, I really believe in. Do I trust that I can step into the things that excite me and that seem to align with who I am and trust that God has a purpose for those things. Because here's one of the things I believe is that you have to live in alignment with the way you're designed. It's really interesting. We all know in one way that we're all uniquely designed. We can see personality tests. We can see people are different, but we don't live like that. We live like we should be like everybody else. And there's this thing I talk so about. True. Yeah. There's this thing I talk about in, in the book rebel, which is the, the two way mirror of meaning. So, you know, like a two way mirror at a police office or station. Right. And so like I'm in one room and I'm looking through the glass and I can see the, the, person at the desk being interrogated, I see through it on my side, but to them, right? It's, it's mirrored glass on their side. So it's a two-way mirror. We all know what that is. This is how we, I think we look at life. We are on the, the glass side and we're looking for validation, whether it is, I have this job opportunity, or I want to make this pivot in my life, or I want to marry this person, or I want to pick up and become a missionary and move, whatever the thing is you're thinking about doing, we're usually 99% of us a little insecure about it, a little nervous, and we just want to make sure it's the right thing. And so we, we look for outside validation. So we look at the world through the, the, the glass part. And so when we're looking, we're, we think we're looking at ourselves, like, is this for me? But we're really seeing through and seeing other people's lives on the other side. And so we're basically comparing ourselves to other people's lives. And then we see those people and go, well, they're not doing what I'm doing. Well, that's interesting. And then we ask them, hey, do you think I should be doing this thing? What do you think about this opportunity? And they look back at us and they're seeing the mirrored side. They only see themselves because we can generally only see ourselves. And we're like, well, I think you should do what I'm doing. Well, that doesn't make sense. I don't. Why would I want to be a missionary? Why would I want to like have kids at that age? Why would I want to take that promotion? Why would I want to move to Wisconsin? Like they'll, they'll just say yeah. whatever because that's what they see. And right. this is the problem is that this is the weird echo chamber we live in. This where so true. Does this make sense? Like, yes. this is how we make decisions. And it's so unhelpful. Yes, it's so true. It is absolutely so true. I think about that. And there's a quote, I think, where it says, like, you know, why would you ask advice from someone who's never been in your position or never been in, like, or never faced the types of decisions that you are, are up against? You know, unless someone has absolutely mirrored your life, why are you asking them for for those kinds of advice and opinion? But I love the visual analogy you give to it because I'm huge on visuals. And you're so right. We 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 do seek that validation. I, I think especially as young people, as youth, I work with a lot of collegians and my message always to them is, hey, it's great if you know what you want to do right now and you have that, you just have that anchor. And that's awesome. That is fantastic. But if you don't, that's okay too. Like it's okay to be still be figuring it out. It's why I, I, I don't like these lists of like 30 under 30 and 40 under 40. Oh and like gosh. Yeah. It just puts so much pressure on us to achieve certain things. And then that becomes the barometer by which we measure our own level of success, yeah. our own level of validation, because we're like, well, gosh, like, I mean, 
you know, look at these people. Like I'm never going to get there. You know, I mean, yeah. I could, they could have a hundred under a hundred. You wouldn't make that <laughs> list. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, that's depressing <laughs> if you think about it. Yeah, right, right. Which you know, with the advancements in science, is science will probably get there one day. Yeah, There'll probably. probably be a one hundred under one hundred. <laughs> but, but no, you're you 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 touch on something so important. I think even just the even talking about goals or goal setting, or you just your life path or journey, we we have to know who we are and not to seek it from any anyone else. You know that validation. It does feel good sometimes to feel validated. Yeah. And the first person to say when someone says like, "Oh my gosh, I love what you're doing," or you know, "Keep yeah. going," I'm like, "All right, yes, yeah. like, I got one person that, yeah. <laughs> that's paying attention." But I think we have to separate that kind of like recognition and reinforcement from an actual like validation. And I, I think that's the difference that sometimes we, we, we miss because the validation is like, no, I need you to tell me that I yeah. am good. And yeah. we need to know that we're good just by being who we are. Well, I mean, gosh, that's so huge. And think about this, right? Like anytime you're about to make a big decision in your life or a change or a pivot or a embark on a journey like people no one virtually no one i'm sure there's somebody but virtually no one's going to be able to validate it because they only know you as who you are or what you've previously done they cannot see you can't even see the the way the future is going to unfold you might have the vision of what you hope it will be and the reason why you're going to take this journey like i've pivoted in my business journey for example let's speak in specifics i was in the music space for this first business for years and then i've like had success and people were asking me about how did you start the business how did what's the business model i don't care about what you teach in the music side but I want to build a business like yours. And I ended up coaching people for free. And then I realized I want to help people build these kind of businesses because it set my family free. And when I started to move in that direction, people were like, no, 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 you're the music guy. You're the, you're the music YouTuber guy. That's what you are. And I, and I was like, of course, they're not going to be able to see this. I can't even see this new version of me. It's not even a new version of me. It's, it's just the next thing. That, yes. that I'm walking into, but you're never going to get the validation from people because they, and it's not because they're mean and it's not because they don't actually believe in you. It's just because they cannot see what you haven't created yet. And that's why it's like so important that you have a small group of people that know you and will support you and won't judge your ideas based off of them not understanding why they're you're doing it or like because no, nobody really knows you do need somebody to confide in to support you for accountability or to say look i'm going to go try this thing because i feel led to do it i don't know if it's going to work out but will you support me in it or are there any red flags you're seeing because they're not going to judge the things straight on they, they're going to they're going to know that you're going to embark in new things but they they at least know your heart and they can share some thoughts and some counsel but you don't feel offended. Like you need people that you trust that you can, you don't want to be a lone wolf completely and just say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. That's not the point. The, but the point is, is when you share your dream with people, be very careful because, and it might not even be a dream. It might be a, like a, a, wing, a wing and a prayer. They will crush it on, they'll step on it and they won't realize they're stepping on it because they just say, I don't see you as that. I see you as the thing you've done for years or the way you've been. And this will happen in big ways. If you pivot in your career and it'll happen in micro ways, for example, People listening to your podcast, people doing personal development and growing, we're not the same person we were 12 months ago for doing any amount of growing. If you just read a book, like you're going to be different. And so 
people don't like that because they know who you are. And that's sometimes why relationships are hard because one person in the relationship is growing and the other one isn't. It doesn't mean they're not supposed to be together, but it means like, wow, you're you're at a different place than I than you were. And so I maybe either have to rise to where you are or I have to just accept like you're changing, I'm changing, maybe I need to grow too. But we all want everyone to stay the same, be the way they were. It's the same reason why bands can't change their sound after their first couple of albums. It's like, well, that's not the way you sound. Why did you go electronic or why did you do this? Or we just hate it when people get outside of the box that we know that they're in. Yes. And you said a really good point of like, you have to be so confident in yourself of like, hey, I'm gonna go do this thing because I feel like I need to go do this thing and I have to accept that not everyone's gonna be excited about it. And if they are, that feels so good. I'm a people pleaser at heart and I've worked really hard to not be a people pleaser, but it feels so good when somebody validates you because that's the way we are designed as humans. Yeah. But sometimes you gotta go do the hard thing okay. and see if it works out. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm a recovering people pleaser. I'm in recovery. Yes. <laughs> oh, I think it. I'll always be in recovery. Yeah. Well, that's what I say. It's like, it's, it's like, I mean, not to, not to denigrate addiction at all, but I mean, I really think that's like a, a piece of me that I'm almost like addicted to peep, to pleasing people. And so that's why I say like, I will always be in recovery because it is my default setting is to just say, sure. Yes. Yeah. How can I help you? How can I help you? And then I have to take a step back and be like, but, but is this really working for me? And is this, yeah. Is this something that's going to fuel me or is this something that's going to deplete me? Yep. And I've started to really look at things in that way. Yeah. On, on projects and, and people, clients, you name it, anything that I kind of give my energy to th at this point. Okay. So I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into the book because you have this incredible book called Rebel, Find Yourself by Not Following the Crowd. And I want to talk about this from... Well, so many different perspectives. I immediately, interestingly enough, I immediately think about my children mm. because I always think about what our parents used to say, like, be your own person. Don't follow the crowd. You know, mm. if everyone else was jumping off the bridge, would you, <laughs> you know, it's like all of those things that our parents said to, you know, hopefully make us make good choices and good decisions. And I love it because we just came off of you talking about really truly knowing yourself and listening to the people or that small group of people. So when in writing this book and kind of creating even the vision for what this book was going to do, talk to us a little bit about where, like, where was your head? What is the message that you're really wanting to send to people who read this book? Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of my life. I have felt like a rebel my whole life. I've never done what people asked me to do. I wasn't trying to be rebellious and this is something I have to make a distinction of in the book because when, when people hear the word rebel, they might think of different things, but I don't define a rebel as someone who just breaks the law or is just running around like movie rebel without a cause. It's to me, it's not about getting away with something. To me, being a rebel is about giving the world your full, truest, most authentic self. That's the most rebellious thing you could do in this age when we're all just conforming because what we're doing is conforming. Mm -hmm. We conform in every way. We spend our money the same way everybody spends it. We run our families the way everybody's doing it. We, we pursue the same goals everyone's pursuing. We buy the same cars. We decorate our houses the same. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. we, we conform in big ways. We conform in small ways. Sometimes we just do what our, our, our family's always done. That's a conform. lot of evaluation here right now. Just <laughs> that sentence. I'm like, no, I'm like, check, check, check. check. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right. And social media only amplifies what's already always been there from, from human nature. And so I think the most rebellious thing you could do is Figure out who you actually are and show up fully as you are as a gift to the world, even if the world pushes back. Like, no, that's not what we do. That's not who you are. 
it's actually a gift to the world if you become yourself. And I think rebels know what they want. They have a sense of purpose. And I actually think people find that attractive when they see someone who knows what they want or chasing after. I think it's an attractive quality. And we want that for ourselves deep down inside. We, we know we're meant to live this way. So the, the message of the book is very, very simple. Like, you can't figure out what you should be doing in your life if you don't know who you are. So the, the whole thrust of the book is there's a five-part framework. It conveniently spells out the word rebel to, to do the work. I, I'd say that the book is like a coaching session, the way I would coach somebody to figure out who you are, what makes you tick, undo some of the, there's some, some of the mental work we got to undo, some of the inner story audits we have to do, the habits we have to look at. But a lot of it starts with like the first component of it the first r in in the rebel framework is to resolve to dream again like just a stake in the ground like i'm going to dream again like whoa and everyone's relationship with dreaming is so different like some people love to dream some people like me had a dream i dreamed to be a rock star and that dream died and i i was bitter i was so bitter that i resolved never to dream again i was like i'm just gonna that, that was embarrassing i told everyone in my world I'm going to pursue music. It's going to happen. I don't know how famous I'll be. I can't, but I know I'm going to do this. And when it didn't happen and I had to get a job because I was married young and I, I was, I was angry. I was angry at God. I was embarrassed. I was shameful. And so I had to interpret things in such that maybe dreaming is stupid and foolish. You don't get what you dream for. I'm just going to get a regular job and live a regular life. And I, I hit something that I talk about and I call the identity crisis intersection. So I, I have a dream, and maybe you've had this, you have a dream, you pursue that dream, and the dream could be big. It could be small too. It could be like, I just want to, you know, train for this marathon. I, well, that's a big deal for me. Or I just want to, you know, start to like take weekends off. And that's like my dream because I work too much. Like it could be whatever. Mm -hmm. You pursue it, something doesn't go right, or it falls flat, or it's a real big mess up. And then you're like, well, what the heck? Who am I then? If I if that dream, I thought I wanted that thing, it didn't happen. And so it becomes this identity problem. Like, wow, who am I really? It's not just that the dream died. It's like a part of me died. And then you're at an intersection. You're at a fork in the road. And you can either go one way or the other way. And, and the two options that we typically choose are option A is to conform. We go right back to conformity. So if we had the 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 guts to dream a little bit and if that dream dies we go nope <laughs> we're gonna go right back and swim in the crowd because it's safer in the crowd mm -hmm. that's the yes. way humanity is right yep. or you could dream again you could dream again and maybe maybe the dream died my dream of being a rock star died and so i buried dreaming for a long time and i buried my desires so a big part of the dream again framework in rebel is like what do you like what do you want what do you dream about big or small what do you want to do be have like wants and need wants are not the goal but they are a clue as to like the way you're designed like what lights yeah. you up and so i do a lot of work with people there about like what are your dreams but maybe my dream of being a rock star died but new dreams have like come up for me it took me a while to like be honest about them but like wow i i like being in front of people on the stage, on a podcast. I like communicating. I like, it, it's a performance. Like a, being a public speaker is a performance. Being a podcaster in a way is a performance. You're, you're creating a moment for people to hear or watch and then it can be transformative. Maybe it wasn't music. And I've done other things with music too. So my music dream didn't actually die, it just morphed. But even my career and what I do for a living, I've tapped into other desires I have and fashioned new paths to make a living and make an impact and still feel the way I wanted to feel when I was on stage as a musician or as a theater kid before that. And it's like, 
maybe I could keep dreaming again. And even as I've pivoted, dream again, dream again. So for me, everything with being a rebel and figuring out who you are starts with, what do you dream about? And if you don't dream, because a lot of us, it was beat out of us for a lot of reasons, sometimes by our parents, like you shouldn't dream, you should just go be a lawyer. You should just go like, everyone's story is different. I get it. But when you were a kid, before it was beat out of you, because we mm-hmm. all start out as dreamers, because the way God designed our brains is to create, like create in our mind. That's why I love your work, Maria, is it starts in the mind. Like we had the most powerful tool in the world, which is our mind that God gave us to create something first in our mind. And then we create it in reality, but that gets beat out of us. So like, what did you used to think about, dream about, want to create? doesn't mean that's what you want to do. And you had shared on our Voxer channel about wanting to be into politics. You know, like there was something there. That was a clue that there's something there for you about who you are. And it maybe the dream isn't to actually go do that specific thing when you were a little kid, but you don't dismiss it because it is a clue. And the more clues we can get early on, the easier it is to your point earlier of like, do I just say yes to every opportunity? Sure. I can do that. Sure. I can be here. Sure. We people please. Cause we d- we're not clear on our dreams and our values. And you mentioned values. I believe like another thing I talk about is a life purpose matrix, which is really about like getting the sweet spot of your dreams and your values. And if you don't know what your values are, that's a problem. If you know what your values are, but you don't know what you dream about, that's a problem too. Cause there's a lot of things I value, but they're not going to be fun to do certain tasks related to my values. So you really got to get that sweet spot of your values and your dreams. And most of us are just too dang busy to do that deep work and look at it. It's not actually hard, but you have to treat it like, like, like work. But once you do life gets a lot more clear, you don't know the future, but you know, like, that's not for me. That's not for me. That sounds cool. Let's pursue that. And that just helps you navigate the world a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Everything you said, I 100% agree with. And, and there's so much that resonated with me just about going back to when you were talking about like goals that you, you know, gave up on or, or that you kind of buried your goals for a while. I mean, that really resonated. I mean, I, I spent a big portion of my young life, you know, competing to win scholarship money to, you know, pay for my college education, which it did that. And, you know, I, I was the same way. Like I remember like telling people like, I'm going to be Miss America. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be Miss America. Like this is what I want. And I was manifesting it and I made the vision board for it and I did the whole thing. And then I didn't win. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, well that's like, let me go crawl in my little hole here for a hot minute. And you're right. And, and there are, there were so many other aspects to my growth and development as a person competing in, you know, in, in that organization and, and through that process that I've carried with me through. And what I have found is that that wasn't my path. Like I, I, I see now looking back, like it would have been a different life for me, not necessarily better. It just would have been different. And, and I can accept that now and accept that, but you know what? Like I have a really amazing life now. I also think that about my, my corporate career. And I would say that probably when I buried that dream after Miss America, I was a little lost. Mm. And so I finished out my years, Miss Kentucky. I got married. We immediately, we dated for five and a half years before we got married. So we kind of knew we wanted kids and we wanted them young so that we could be there, you know? And so we were the same way, you know, it was 25, 27. I had two kids and I'm like, what in the world's going on with my life? You know, I feel like I used to be so sure of myself and now I have Mm. no clue. And I was kind of thrust into this corporate environment thinking to your point, I, I saw the opportunities within a 
corporate setting to lead a team, to motivate people, to empower them, to, to give presentations, which is that form, you know, I'm same thing, theater kid, vocal major, went to an art school and all the way through high school. And I have always felt in some form or fashion that that would be a life that I would, that I would live or have. And so I think it's interesting that it's just turned out in a lot of different ways. Mm. It's not how I probably imagined or envisioned it when I was younger, but now that I am living my most, you know, authentic life and have really stepped into who I am as a person, I can now look back and see all of those things that I was doing along the way were preparing me for this moment. I couldn't see it then. I knew, I knew there was something there. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't visualize it crystal clear. But then to your point, I did the work. So that is also something that we do not do. And what you touched on and what you said is so true. We do not take the, the, I think the reason that our dreams die when we're younger is because they're, we, we as adults are facilitating them in children. We're not continuing that work. We allow them because we know, we know kids are dreamers. We know they love, they love. I mean, I just look at my, my kids and I know how excited they get to decorate for holidays, how excited they are for, you know, for this time of year, you know, because yeah. we're in still in the holiday season. And so I, I don't know, I, I just not to digress, but I just, I look at that and I think that like childlike approach mm. to things is something that we around the, like third, fourth grade, we stop facilitating that. And it's almost like, okay, well now it's time for you to just, you know, start being a kid and like, you know, a general kid, not the dreamer kid, not the one who, who continues that. And we don't do the work to your point. We're, well, we're not given the opportunity to do that work. My work with corporations, what I try to stress to them is they need to be the facilitator of this work. Mm. It's, it, 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 it behooves them to do this work with their employees because then they get more engaged employees. They get people who want to be there they also might find people that don't want to be there. And that's okay too, because if I'm running a company and a business at that large of a scale, if I've got someone who doesn't want to be there and doesn't want to put in the work every day to show up and, and bring that piece of them to the business, okay, then maybe it's best that we both cut our losses and, and they yeah. can go find what's meant for them. And I can find a person who's meant for, for me or for my, you know, for my organization. So it's a win-win situation in every aspect of our life. And then I feel we, it just, it's the breakdown of so many things to your, yeah. you know, kind of what we talked about is when you can, yeah, feel yourself creatively, then you get to the root of what's truly in your soul and what you were meant for. Well, yeah. And that's the way, you know, the world won't be better if we're all the same. Like it just really won't. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the analogy I think of is in my kitchen, in my, my pantry, actually I have two, two devices next to each other. I have an espresso machine and I have a blender, like a ninja blender. And I think about it as if like and the espresso machine, it's great, right? You, you got beans at the top and then it can automatically grind the beans and make a single cup of coffee. So I know it's fresh, but I don't have to do any work with like a traditional espresso machine. I don't want to, I don't want to work. I want the convenience of the automated, but I want the fresh ground beans. And it does a great job of that. But it would be as if my espresso machine thought, man, look at that ninja blender. I want to make smoothies. And, and, and we're the same. Like, why not? We both have like a, a top where you put food in at the top. We both have a, a blade that spins around. Uh, like, 
I could make a smoothie. And it's like, no, espresso machine, you'd make a horrible smoothie. Not because you suck, but you were made, you were designed to make a freaking espresso. So the comparison isn't helpful. And it's, and, and if we did the same thing, we just have lots of smoothies. We wouldn't have espresso. I need, I need someone to make a coffee. So there's something freeing about not trying to be better than your competition or better than the person in your field or even better than yourself. I know like you can compete with yourself. It's really not about being better than so that you, you stand out. It's like being different, like just be different. And that's not hard if you know who you are because you are by default different than somebody else. And it's like embracing that uniqueness. I tell people they need to uncover their uniqueness because you have one. And then you need to leverage that thing. You need to unleash that thing because it's going to set you free because then you don't have to even worry about, well, I'm not as good as him or her, but you are 100% you. And if you're confidently you and you're like, hey, this, I can't, I don't do these things over here, but I do this. And I'm, I feel that way, like in a practical example, I, I help business owners, right? I, I've, I can help you make a lot more money in your business, but I'm, I'm not going to like press into like being this general business coach for people for all businesses. If you've got a huge team and you're doing like a drop shipping or you've got a physical product or I can help you in certain areas. I can understand marketing and understand some of that stuff, but you know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at helping people not only scale their business though, but work less. Like I'm good at systems and like getting to the heart of what makes your business run so that you design a life and a business you love. So I press into that uniqueness of, uh, like I, I will talk about how much money my business will make and how few hours I work because it's a distinction. Everyone else is working a lot of hours and they're proud of it. I'm proud of how few hours I work to, mm. to make the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. And that's a turnoff for some people. I literally found that some people think I'm literally lazy. They don't understand it and they, they won't listen to me or respect me because I work so few hours. But the right person's like, okay, Graham's doing something that I'm very interested in. I want to still be able to like have a life, take my kids to school, take vacations, take a mental health day or week or month, like and the business still runs. Like what is he doing? And I want some of that. So I press into that uniqueness, but I can't scale you to nine figures. I've never done that, but I can get you up to seven figures and work five to 10 hours a week. And so I'll press into that as a uniqueness, for example, in that brand. But I just think it's so much more freeing and I struggle I struggle with, I have friends that I have so much comparison to like, man, you're so cool. The way, the way you show up in the world and what you're doing, like, I wish I could be you. And then I realized, but I'm not you. And what's the point of that? And they probably wish they could be me in some ways, but it's so freeing to figure out who you are because then to your point, and I was really thinking about this when you were talking, Maria, about your dream of being Miss America. It almost, I almost used to judge people for not like pursuing their dreams. When I was like younger, before my first dream died, I was like, I'm going to be the guy that actually becomes the famous rock star. Like if I were you, I'm actually going to be the girl that actually becomes Miss America. I'm not going to talk right. about, I'm actually going to do it. I think you were right. the same kind of person. And so I, I think I judged other people like, Oh, you're, Oh, you're going to just pursue a career in finance. Cause you gave up your music dream. And you think that's realistic. Not me, not Graham. I'm going to go for it. <laughs> and, and, and then of course my dream got crushed and I was like, Oh crap, am I not good enough? And but now it's like when you were talking, I think I just had a moment for myself of like, wow, the dream isn't the goal. The dream again, and I know this, the dream is a clue. I'll, I'll believe that. But I, I had a distinction just when you were speaking. The dream isn't the goal. It's wonderful to pursue the dream and make, make the dream. But the dream is a clue. And the goal is to figure out who the heck you are and what all those things, what lights you up, what doesn't, what you value, what you don't. 
so that you can pursue lots of different dreams and like enjoy your life the whole way. Like, isn't the purpose of life to just operate the way God designed you in the world and enjoy all of it? I think the whole book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible is like, like just enjoy all the things I gave you and fully show up as who you are. That's like the principle of the book there. And it's like, man, maybe my dreams, I was putting too much emphasis on when I was younger. Like the point is to achieve the dream. I think the point is to walk in authenticity of who you are and give the world your full self and the dreams pull you in that direction. So it almost doesn't matter if the dream happens or not, because you're already winning. If you're like, this is what I care about. And so when I tell people now, and we, you, we met a year ago with thought leader, I joined that group because I was like, I want to be a public speaker and I'm going to start by giving a Ted talk. <laughs> so that was, that made sense to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I was telling people as, as far back as a year and a half ago, like I'm moving into public speaking. I'm moving into public speaking. And part of my fears crept up again. Like, oh, Graham, is this that same thing that happened when you were in your teens and early 20s where you told people you're going to be a rock star? You told them, you told them, and then it didn't happen. How embarrassing is it going to feel if it doesn't quite happen? But I've, I have a lot more of a healthy relationship with myself now where this time around it's like, no, this is a dream I have because I, w- I want to show up in the world in this way and do this kind of work because I think it'd be fun. And like, however it looks, I, I don't know how it's going to look. How could I know how it's going to look? But I'm going to go do this thing and say, this is what I believe in because it's really true. And I'm not holding myself to a very specific, like, I have to keynote these number of times a year at this price. Like that's, I like goals to get me somewhere, but that's not the purpose. That makes sense. Like it's yeah, just. Absolutely. It's, I always tell people it's the, it's the journey, you know, the goal is the destination. It's the journey. It's everything along the way that you're building. And, you know, I think that you also gave me some perspective on my life when we had that boxer conversation around my work. You know, I've since been to DC. That's how I was able to connect with, with Beth and did work with the U.S. House of Representatives. And, you know, that was a direct result of just some of the connections that I had made in politics. I wanted to be, or at least I thought I wanted to be in politics to help people. And now I'm helping them in just a different way. Yeah. So I'm still involved and I'm still very aligned with that because, you know, I mean, I just, I, I do, I do enjoy politics. I don't enjoy what it does to people sometimes, but I, I enjoy democracy and, and yep. I think DC is a fascinating place. So I think it just presents itself in a different way. And, and I know you had pointed that out like, Hey, you know what? Maybe your path isn't to be a U.S. Senator anymore, but it's to work with these people and to help them and impact and impart your, you know, what you were designed to do on them. So this whole time it's been leading you in that direction, just in a different format in a different way. It's exciting. Isn't it cool? It's exciting when you think about life that way, the possibilities I'm a planner. And so this is coming from a futurist on the, the strength finders and, and a planner. I actually am finding more joy and freedom in like not living by the plan, Mm -hmm. but, but living more into this is, this is who I am. This is what I value. These are things that are important to me. And I want to be of service anywhere I can be. And like seeing what the adventure of life looks like of like, where will, well, where will God take me next year? Where will it be the year after that? But fully showing up as myself in all of those corners. I love that because you actually just led right into my question. My last question, which is, I ask all my guests, what is their do the dang goal? So what is on the horizon? What is that goal that Graham is like, I'm doing the dang thing. I'm making it happen. I already professed that mine was TEDx. So I'm going to join you and Beth 
That is my do the dang goal for 2024. I have it plastered everywhere. It's on about 18 different post-it notes across my, my, between my bathroom, my bedroom, my computer screen. So what is your- I love that. Yeah. So for me, this next year will be to, I don't have a specific number, but I want to start fully keynoting. Like I've been writing two talks, one around the book Rebel, which comes out in 2024. And so one's about that and one specifically in helping business owners. And so I've been writing these new talks around the same content and it's like to, to, to keynote on, on stages and give these talks and just become world-class at it. So that's probably my goal. Cause I'm launching the book. That's the big, the big thing that has to happen in 2024, which will be fun. But do the dang goal is launch the book and keynote a bunch this year. Well, I cannot wait to read the book. I cannot wait to to promote the book, to share the book, to buy it as a gift for friends because I love buying books for my friends <laughs> and sharing that with them. And a part of my my coaching process too is I always try to share a resource. Love and that. I think that is I think your your book is going to be one that is going to be a top resource of mine to provide to people because you truly are providing them a roadmap to leading the, their life in their own way and not in a way that is you know, guided or driven by society or by what anyone else thinks that they should do. And I know that we could talk for like another two hours on this topic, (laughs) but I'm just so grateful and thankful that you took time out of your schedule to chat with me. So I want to know, okay, besides the book, besides the TEDx, which we're going to link because every single person needs to watch this TEDx, where can listeners find you? Yep. A bunch of resources at GrahamCochran.com or the podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts, The Graham Cochran Show. And the only place I really interact online would be Instagram at The Graham Cochran. All right. Yay. Well, we will get all of those in the show notes. We'll get everything linked, the book, every the TEDx talk, everything. So Graham Cochran, you are just a gem of a human. And I am so excited that our paths in this life collided. And I'm so grateful for you and Beth. And I am also fortunate that I got to interview you both or have this conversation with you both. And I'm excited for everyone to listen to all of the goodness that both you and her provide and just keep doing great things. Keep being you. Thanks, Maria. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode. It would mean the world to me if you could leave a rating and review of the show and subscribe on your favorite app. You can also find us on our YouTube channel, Creating Visionaries. If there is something that stuck out to you in this conversation, send me a message on Instagram to let me know. Until next time, keep creating the vision for your life.